Welcome to the Fostering Change Podcast, Season 3. I'm Rob Shear, the founder of Comfort Cases and your host. Together, we have made such a difference in the world. We've met with leaders and change makers in the foster care system. We've met with charities and philanthropists, celebrities, authors, and so much more. We'll continue to bring you guests who will share how together, as a community, we can bring about change. Welcome once again to Fostering Change. You know, it's hard to believe we are on another episode of Fostering Change. You know, this has been our third season, and I have been so excited with some of the guests that we've had throughout the last several years. But my next guest, my gosh, I have been waiting for this interview. See, this morning as I got up and, you know, as most of you see me on social media when I'm going through the closet, I'm grabbing something that's comfort cases is what I wear. But today I actually grabbed this T-shirt on purpose, and I grabbed this T-shirt, and as I put it on this morning and I read it, Be a Good Human, I knew that I was getting ready to interview one of the best humans that I know. See, I'm very lucky that I actually been able to call this author my friend for the last 10 years. Ladies and gentlemen, I am so, so excited for all of you to meet my friend, Audra O'Neill, the author of At the Helm, which we are going to talk about. Audra, welcome to Fostering Change. Thank you so much, Rob. Thanks for having me. I am so, so excited to have you. You know, first of all, I want to go push back a little bit before we start getting into the book, because when I met you, our boys actually have grown up together. So you're a mother of two amazing humans. And I was actually, you know, friends with your husband. um, And Chad was, you know, and still is to this day, I think the most incredible person that I had met. Um, But you were also a school teacher. You know, and I think that's one of the things that, you know, being a frontline worker as a school teacher and being a mom, you know, that is definitely rewarding, I would say. It is. It also makes things hard sometimes being a single mom. You know, I think some people can relate to that. But yes, I, you know, I do. I love being a teacher. I love being a mom. And I love being your friend. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Listen, I'm going to dive right in. So, you know, I remember when you reached out and Chad had got the diagnosis. And I I know this is probably hard and you've talked about this so many times, but I want our listeners and viewers to understand because, you know, most of us, you know, have not or will not experience the loss of a loved one Um, and especially a loved one at such a young age. Age, And that is the thing that I've always thought about when it comes when I think about you and Chad is that, you know, and you guys had just really gotten into the groove. I mean, the boys were, if I'm not mistaken, the boys were only seven. Yeah, seven years old at the time. Can you tell me, you know, a little bit about and our listeners about how that that day when, you know, Chad was diagnosed? Yeah, it was, I mean, it's surreal and it seems almost like a whole different person lived that life, right? Like seven years later, now it's seven years later. Um, I, I look back and I think, oh my gosh, was that me? Did I live that? Um, Because it's just so surreal. So he, uh, we had been on vacation and he was having pains in his hip. And I just, you know, I just thought you're fine. You'll go get it checked out when you get back. And then when he got back, it didn't really work out that he could get it checked out right away. He started having heart palpitations. And then he finally got into a cardiologist who said, you know, you either have cancer 
or you're going to have a stroke or you've had a stroke, which just, you know, from then on the rest of my life was, you know, just shifted in this whole different way. And his, obviously the rest of his life, it's not anything you ever expect. I remember there was, there used to be this, um, it was like a song or something about you better wear sunscreen. And I remember one of the lines in there, it said, you know, your, your life could change by just one message at four o'clock in the morning. And I, I always go back to that line in that song because it's true. You know, your life is going on one track and then all of a sudden it, you know, something happens that changes that. Yeah. You know, and, and to be a, a young mother and to have young boys and, you know, all of a sudden to be able to get that diagnosis that either you've had a stroke or you have a cancer, um, to me, I, like I said, I, I can't fathom that, but all of a sudden you want to talk about a change in your life, you know, um, and we're going to get into the book. And, and by the way, I love the book. I've got my little mark that there were certain pages I want to talk about that I just thought, you know, and, and I want people to know, you know, at the helm, when, when you reached out to me and told me you were going to write this book, you know, the first thing I thought about, well, how is it going to relate to me? You know, you're a widow. I'm not a widower. I, you know, how is it? But when I read the book, I realized that it resonated into me because it made me really feel that it helps with any loss, yes. you know, with any loss and how that healing has come. So, so, you know, as the book knows and, and everybody to know that, you know, Chad did pass away um, and, you know, the boys were very young. Were the boys prepared? And I don't know if you're ever prepared to lose a parent at such a young age. And I lost my mother when I was a young boy. So it's it's I never will forget that moment when my my father walked in to tell me that my mother had died. How how were the boys when that moment happened? I had kind of, he was, Chad was sick for five months and in and out of the hospital. And his friend had died um, maybe the year before, really good friend, my son's um, godfather. And so they had kind of seen that whole path, you know, through the girls of that, um, that man. And so when I told them that Chad was sick, I said, you know, he's sick, but he has a different cancer than uncle Drew had, you know, uncle Drew's was a brain tumor, but dad's is, you know, bone and, and blood. And so most likely dad will be fine. So that was how I started it off five months prior. And then little by little, when, you know, there were no breakthroughs or, you know, nothing was working. I tried to prepare them as, as well as I could, you know, that this may not work, but the doctors are really working hard and dad's really fighting. So when I got, that was probably the hardest part of my life actually so far was coming home after he died and having to tell them that he was gone. And I, I, they had just turned seven that week. It was their birthday week. It was the day after Thanksgiving. So, you know, when I read about like, what do, what do children's brains understand at that age? I think typically it's hard for kids to grasp that someone's gone and the finality of that. But I do think that my kids had that experience with our friend and I think they did understand, but the most interesting thing, and I talked to other people about this is the first thing they said to me is, will you get remarried? Will you marry again? Um, and a lot of other widows and widowers I've spoken to, that's their children's reaction. And I think it's just, you know, it, it's this very basic mind thinking I have a hole and I want to fill that hole. You know, how can I fill it? Oh, I can fill it by you filling it for me, you know, with someone else. Right. 
That's cr- so. Yeah, I never even thought about that. You know. And by the way, everybody, I want you guys to know that I have so many fond memories. And one of the memories I have, it was it was during soccer season. Chad had been very sick, and he actually made it to the soccer field. And him and I had propped up our chairs next to each other. And we ended up talking to the entire soccer game as the boys were playing soccer. Um, And, you know, just Chad was just, like I said, the most amazing thing. But I want to tell you that's one thing I do remember the most. Right after Chad had passed away and we had gone to the to the memorial service and we were there and you were just so stoic and strong for the boys and for yourself. But I remember you reached out to me quite a little bit after that and you thanked me and I don't know if you remember this, but you thanked me because you said I was one of the only people who constantly kept saying his name. And that people, you know, were were trying not to say his name as if he and and I made it a point to always say Chad's name. Um, and I I will never ever forget that moment. Yes, I I do. I think that in our society we don't talk about death and dying and grief and trauma as much as we should. I mean, it's part of everyone's lives. You know, everyone will experience something that's hard for them in their lifetime. And I think saying his name, even now, you know, even seven years later, some people, you know, tell my kids stories about Chad or just talk as if it's normal to use his name in conversation. And I think that's so important uh, to everyone to keep his memory alive, but especially for my kids to realize this is, you know, I'm not, I'm not strange. Like I'm not different. My dad lived and, you know, and people remember him and we share stories and it's just, death is a part of life. Um, so I did, I, I do love, and I love that you continue to use his name. Yeah. You know, because of the fact is you're right. We all need to, and by the way, guys, this is the book that's going to help you because we do need to understand that death is part of living. Simple as that. Death is part of living. So, you know, Chad passes and you're trying to figure out, oh my gosh, here I am, two young boys, you know, um, you're, you're a working mother, you've got two boys that, you know, are at that age where, you know, come on, I'm a dad of four boys, I totally know that age. Um, and then when did it come to the moment, um, Audra, that you decided to write at the helm? I went to a grief group. It was a hospice grief group, which they are amazing for anyone in the situation where they like lost a spouse or a parent. They, you know, they had a grief group for the kids went to one room, the parents went to another room. Um, And one of the things they had us do was journal a lot. So they gave us all different assignments, like write a letter to your deceased spouse or uh, just, you know, write about this, write about that, read this article, write about this. And I have I was an English major. I've always enjoyed writing. I'm a reading specialist. That's my job. So I just kind of felt like, you know what, I I writing is, you know, comes easily to me and it makes me feel really good when I do it. Um, And then throughout the years there were, you know, I had friends who would say, could you talk to my friend who just lost their spouse? Could you call my friend that just lost their spouse? And I realized, you know what, there's something maybe in, you know, like my um, perspective on things or my positivity. um, There's something that's drawing people to me and asking me for help. So I think I kind of paired those two things together and said, well, I know how to write. And, you know, I, I feel like I can help people. So I decided to write a book. 
I love that. I love that you took your pain and you made it into a purpose. You know, the fact that, you know, people will ask me as we do fostering change, we have guests all the time um, with all different stories. And, and this particular book, by the way, Audra, was something that I started to think about kids who are in foster care. You know, and the reason I thought about that is because they do have a loss. You know, they have a loss when they're taken from their birth parents. They have a loss when they're moved from place to place. And so, you know, I was relating to that to so much. There's one particular place in the book. I want to read this one thing that you had in you had done. There was a perfect historical garden cemetery by a river in Georgetown, D.C., I had a beautiful stone carved for Chad with an old Irish saying encircling his name and a Celtic cross. And you and you had put on here, and by the way, I'm getting goosebumps. Mm-hmm. May the road rise up to meet you. May the wind be always at your back. May the sun shine warm upon your face. The rains fall soft upon your fields. And until we meet again, may God hold you in the palm of his hand. You know, I had never read that saying, by the way, and I have marked it in here and I read it and I think about that. And, you know, to me, it's like I said, I, I can't fathom it. But, you know, now all of a sudden to see how you've taken your pain to help other people is just, it's beyond. Listen, everybody, we're going to take a quick break again. My friend, Audra O'Neill, you're going to be able to get the link at her book at the helm. I'm telling you, it is, first of all. I know how many of you reach out to me for that book that you're like, you know what, if the weather's getting warmer, I'm going to sit by the pool, I'm going to the beach, I, you know, I need a really good book that I can get in and makes me feel good. This is it. This is it. This is my summer pick at the helm. We'll be right back. So, you know, everybody, I talk about this quite often, um, seeing the expansion that we have at Comfort Cases and to now know that we have a Comfort Cases UK team, I could not be more grateful. But what I'm so excited about is that on May the 24th, my family will be boarding a plane and heading to the UK for a really big event. So I have my friend Sarah, who is actually also the CEO and the founder of Comfort Cases UK right here with me today. So Sarah, tell us about what's going on when I get there. Oh my gosh, we are so excited to have you come to the UK. I cannot tell you, we are just so looking forward to meeting you and all your family. And we have got a huge event taking place on the 26th of May. Um, We are introducing comfort cases to our community, to our network, and we are so excited to invite you to talk as our keynote speaker. Um, And we will be doing some fundraising on the evening, but most importantly is to spread the message of how important the work that Comfort Cases UK is trying to do and to continue all the good work that you've already been doing over there in the US. And uh, things are happening really fast here and we just cannot wait for you to share it with us. Well, I will tell you, I'm really, really excited. So listen, everybody, for those who are listening to our podcast or actually you're watching it on YouTube, I want you all to do me one big favor. I want you to go to comfortcasesuk.org and donate. That's exactly right. What you would have donated to Comfort Cases, you know, here, I want you to go donate to comfortcasesuk.org. We truly need to make people understand whether there's a pond that is separating us, we are all one 
community. So Sarah, I'm excited to come to the UK, sending lots of love and please comfortcasesuk.org. Well, you know what? There's nothing I love more than a really good conversation. And especially when you have conversations with friends, you know, it feels so natural. And I love the fact that having my friend, Audra O'Neill on, who again is the author of At the Helm. You know, Audra, you mentioned in our first half of the show about how people had asked you, were you going to get remarried? You know, and I, I, I actually, you know, was taken back a little bit about that comment that you made, because I just feel like that that is, that's almost like, again, I'm ready for all the emails you all send me all the time when I say things that you don't all agree with me on, but it's almost like to me when I see women and people say to them, um, why haven't you had a baby? Or are you having a baby? Are you going to have a baby? And I just feel like that's just something that's just crosses that line in the sand for someone to say to you, are you going to get remarried? Um, you know, the fact is, is that Chad was your first love. He, he was. He was one of my first loves, Rob. <laughs> you know, and, yes, but, yes, but, you right. know, the fact that you had this beautiful, I mean, I've seen your wedding pictures. You had this beautiful wedding. You know, you guys were t- truly in, in love. But, you know, it's been seven years, okay? It's been seven years now that Chad has passed. And, um I'm now going to ask the question that my listeners and my viewers want to know how and and actually there was a part in the book that I was like, you know, um, the whole part about the uncoupling, you know, Mm -hmm. that you had been, you know, you the uncoupling. Can we talk about that? Because because it was there a point within these seven years, because I still do believe that you're grieving. I would know that you probably would grieve the rest of your life, even if you do get married. When is there that part or has there been that part where you no longer feel the guilt if you go out on a date? So going back to when people ask you that, is it appropriate or not? I, I'm an open book, so I'm willing to share anything. But I do think it's that people are like my kids want to fill, want to fix me. You know, they want to fix the situation. So they think, oh, if I get remarried, that will fix me. It'll all be fine. Grief goes away and you're good. Right. Which is, we all know that's not true. Um, I never had any guilt about dating because um, I remember speaking to Chad's best friend, Anthony, and he had been with him the day before he died. And he told him, I hope that Audra finds someone else. You know, she's young and I hope she does. And I was so thankful for Anthony telling me that because that kind of gave me, I probably would have gotten there on my own, but that gave me the, um, you know, the, the go ahead. Um, but I do, I think everyone's different. You know, I have a lot of different widow friends who some of them think I will never, ever again. Um, and even though that uncoupling part is really hard for all of us, you know, it's just, you you're not invited to the same things you used to be. You sometimes feel like a third wheel. You sometimes feel like you're not, your family is not whole, even though it still is. You just feel like it's not the, it's not the picture of a family that you, you know, saw on TV when you were little in the eighties and the nineties, you know, but I don't think it's for everyone. I absolutely hope to remarry or, you know, have that in the future, but um, it's not for everyone. And really it is such a personal choice. Yeah, it, it, it truly is. You know, I have another friend of mine who um, she lost her husband um, when her 
gosh, her son was like eight months old. He died in a tragic accident. And um, she said the same thing that I just heard you say is that, you know, um, the invitation slowly stopped um, when it came to the couple things that people were doing because, and because, and what she said to me was it was because they, the other people felt awkward because they felt like they were, you know, throwing it into her face that she doesn't have a spouse any longer. And I actually um, disagree with that. I, you know, I mean, I, I'm, I've had many events that, you know, you're always on the list. And so, um, but I couldn't imagine that, yeah, you know, if something happened to Reese that, you know, feeling that third wheel um, feeling that you could feel, you know, as writing the book, do you feel like, you know, that it brought you some healing? Absolutely. Yes. I, I'm, I, it's interesting because people would say, oh, I, I know this about, you know, I know this about you. Or I know that about you. And I'm like, how do you know that about me? And I, you know, you kind of forget that you put this out to everybody to know your innermost thoughts and feelings. But I, even with that, cause that's the hardest part about it. Even with that, I do, I am so thankful. And I will go back to, into the book sometimes and reread parts that help me remember, remember how I felt because as time passes, you forget. And sometimes you want to forget, but it really does help me go back and remember things, especially if I have, you know, a new friend who lost a husband or something, and I can kind of go back in and like, it, it draws out in me things that might help her. It reminds me. So, so do you feel that, you know, people, whether you're a widow or a widower, do you feel that you all gravitate towards each other more? Like, have Definitely. you noticed that you've gotten more friends that are widows or widowers, you know? Yes. I mean, I know because I wrote a book about being a widow, you know, that people, I'm kind of like a spokesperson for widows now. Um, so I do have friends of friends saying, I sent, you know, I sent the book to so-and-so because she just lost her husband, or can you talk to so-and-so because she just lost her husband? But I do think in general, the reason for that is because we all are like aching to have someone who is similar to us. You know, we feel isolated because there aren't many young widows as, you know, as you get, as you age, there will be more in your age group. But in, you know, when you're tw in your twenties and thirties, even forties, there are not many peers. And so you're looking for them. Yeah, no, I, I agree a hundred percent with you. And again, everybody, I'm telling you um, at the helm, it is, if you know someone who has lost their spouse, if you know someone who has lost you know, a significant other. And let me tell you, it, I, I have a friend of mine who's, um, his husband, um, he lost his husband and, um, he was the first person I thought about, you know, about reading this book, you know, about how, you know, this truly can make you feel that you're not on that island by yourself. So, you know, as we close this out, I have to ask, I absolutely love the cover. Thank you. I love love, love the cover. And I remember when you were picking the cover and I love, love, love the cover. Um, are you happy with it? I am. I, you know, there was at first a person in the boat and it was dark 
I didn't want it to be dark. I wanted it to be hopeful because that's what we all want. We want to be looking towards something hopeful, right? Not just thinking about what the hard parts of what we're going through. And the person in the boat was a person who looked like me. And I didn't want to limit anyone's imagination to someone who looked like me. I, it, this can be anyone. And like you said, I'm glad that you're giving it to a male because I feel like it, it does, it applies to men, women, you know, different races, different cultures. We all have this same like your shirt, that humanity is humanity. And we all feel similar things when we have lost. So I do love the cover though. Thank you. Yeah, I do. I love the cover. I love the book. Everybody, I'm telling you, it's a 10 for me. Um, I highly recommend it at the helm. There's going to be a link um, on our our cover cases page and throughout all of our social medias. um, So you can pick... um, Audra, if if there and I know there are people that are listening and watching our show, um, how can they get a hold of you? So I have a website. It's just AudraO'Neill.com and there's a contact page on there. Um, and I would love to hear, you know, anyone, anyone who would like to just connect and reach out, I'm I'm available. So well, listen, I can't thank you enough. I am so excited that I get to call you my friend. I am so excited to, that I get to watch the boys grow and how such amazing humans they have come. And I know that Chad is looking down with the biggest smile on his face. One, he always knew that you and I would always be friends. But number two, how proud he is that you are doing exactly what you should be doing. And that is being the good human that you are. Listen up, everybody. I am telling you, this is the book for you to read this summer at the helm. You can always reach us at fosteringchange at comfortcases.org. Again, you can get reached out to my friend, audraoneal.com. Um, and you know what? Listen, each and every one of us have an opportunity. We have an opportunity to impact someone else's life. Maybe there is that friend of yours that has just lost their spouse. And you know, maybe there's an opportunity for you to reach out to them through this book, just to let them know that, you know what, you're thinking about them. You know, and the thing that I hope you learned from this episode is that each and every one of us will experience death within our lives as we experience birth. And we do not have to let it consume us. Take your passion and make it into your purpose. Take care, everybody. Thanks, Robert. I want to say thank you to each and every one of you for listening or watching the latest episode of Fostering Change. All of us on our team hope that you've learned something new today and have been inspired to be a good human. Now, just a reminder that you can always find Fostering Change on your favorite channels on Google, Spotify, iTunes, YouTube, and others including, of course, comfortcases.org. I want to give a big thank you to all of you for joining us each and every week. And a reminder that if you have a suggestion for a guest, or maybe you might have a question about today's podcast, or are interested in becoming a sponsor of Fostering Change, please don't hesitate to email me personally at fosteringchange at comfortcases.org. Now, that's it for now. Thanks again, and we'll see you next Tuesday. Take care.